What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Status Update. And I've been trying to find my way home. Through you, I remain strong. What would Jesse do? What would Jesse do? What would Jesse do? Welcome to the Status Update podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm hyped that you're here. I'm so excited. I have not stopped smiling, nor do I foresee myself stop smiling uh, for the whole time. So this is going to be great. Yeah, this is good energy. Why don't you introduce yourself for the, for the folks listening? Sure. Um, so my name is Rachel. Uh, Jamil and I have known each other like two and a half years-ish now. Yeah. It definitely feels like longer. Um, for consistent listeners of the podcast, Jamil and I also met in 501, if anyone is familiar with Abby's episode. Uh, I was part of the triad. I was the third Ooh. of the triad. Um, and so for me, um, I just got my master's degree as well. Um, I've been working at the University of Connecticut as the learning services coordinator at the Academic Achievement Center. So uh, working with students, you know, helping them along on this journey that is college has been really rewarding and it's part of my, my passion and enjoyment. So that's been really fun. Um, other than that, uh, I'm kind of, you know, a history nerd. I love trivia. Um, I like getting to know people. I like getting to talk to people. So this is a really exciting kind of opportunity that Jamil brought my way. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're forgetting to mention that you also edited the book. Oh my gosh, I did. Okay, so that's, that is something that has been a recent kind of update in my life. It's, well, it's been, it's been a consistent thread. I've always enjoyed editing people's papers. I, I think the first time I can remember doing that was in high school, just offering to help somebody edit like an English assignment. And then all throughout college, helping all my friends. But this was the first time I got like a bona fide editing opportunity that I could not say no to because it brought together my two favorite things, telling people when they're grammatically incorrect and fantasy novels. And it was perfect. And I was so excited. So yes, that's my most recent project. Yeah, it's dope. I mean, I can't wait for the book to release, but this is not about the book. This is about you and <laughs> you giving and dropping knowledge today. Well, I can try. We're setting the bar really high with the people <laughs> that have come before me. But I mean, I think when I kind of let you know what I wanted to talk about, I was, I had been thinking about, you know, what I, what would be valuable for me to talk about and something that's relevant to my own experiences. And so as I was thinking of it, I thought of this idea, the, the phrase uh, persistence, not perfection kind of kept coming through and that's really kind of the avenue that I want to talk about. And I guess I could start with, with grad school, um, as because that's kind of one of the pieces that connects us together. And this idea that persistence is able to kind of get you where you want to go. Um, I'm sure you can relate to that mm -hmm. a little bit as well. And... So I'll start from the beginning. I'll think back to like starting grad school. For me, that process, the application, finding grad school, applying to grad school, and then 
getting everything set and like quitting my job was like a three week process. Um, I found Central's program. So I graduated from CCSU's master's um, in student development and higher ed program. The deadline to apply to that program was, I think it was February 27th and I discovered it on President's Day. So February 21st of that year. And I was like, okay, I gotta get all my application stuff together. I need to pester references because we needed three letters of reference mm -hmm. and I had to get transcripts. And so for me, none of that was, was the perfection I was hoping for. I wasn't able to write my admissions letter, my essay to get into school to kind of the nth degree that I always want to, to create but I, it's because I didn't have the time. So that was kind of the first, the first moment where my life forced me to move a little bit away from, I've always kind of been a perfectionist without realizing it. Um, I, I'm very hard on myself and critical of misactions or things that I perceive to be not living up to the expectations that I set. So not realistic expectations sometimes, but the expectations that I set so that was the first time where the universe was like, let's slow down a little bit and produce material that gets you to where you want to go, but without overstressing and being overzealous about reaching for this perfect, I did air quotes, so people on a podcast can't see that, <laughs> but this, this perfect that exists in my brain, but not in the world. And so now I'm in grad school quit my job, started grad school. And so now this whole transition phase, I had to start like really getting over the fact that not everything was going to be perfect. And so great example, 501, the day that we were being filmed for the oh, class. Man. Yeah. So, so for background for this one, we were being filmed in front of the class so that our peers could critique and provide feedback. So to be very helpful and to provide feedback on how we're doing. Um, I was functioning as the counselor, as the listener in this moment, and Jamil was telling me his story. And I think we made it, what, about five minutes in? Maybe Not six. even five minutes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the two of us just descended into what I can only describe as like maddening cackles, and we could not stop laughing. It, it was like, the joker on laughing gas and we couldn't bring it back and i in the moment it was a lot of fun because that was just hilarious between us but then we're sitting in class and i was so mad at myself because now i'm producing material for other people to look at that i didn't deem perfect but the whole point was that they were supposed to be providing us feedback of course we weren't going to be perfect yet and so like sitting in class dealing with that immediate dichotomy between this was really fun in the moment and now I hate what I did ha has really kind of forced me right then I was like no I can't kind of keep living in this overly critical perfection driven environment and so now that I'm a couple years out of grad school and we're in this kind of COVID you know I don't know if you know but there's a whole pandemic right now yeah the whole pandemic the whole pandemic and and this is one of those times where it's really important to kind of reflect on that and remember that not everything's going to be perfect because really 
I don't think perfect exists right now. Persistence and getting things done and discipline exists, but perfect is not a thing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to to start with some of my storytelling pieces. Yeah, I think I think back to that to that moment in particular, and I remember just I remember how strange it was because I'm obviously a part of the video of like just laughing, and it was it it was interesting. It was like 501. It was one of our first classes in grad school. Um, the first time around a lot of those classmates and we're literally laughing in a situation where it's supposed to be something more serious. We're learning how to counsel people. And I think for a lot of people that would, that would be like a, a severe negative in their lives. Um, but I remember you being able to improve from that experience. And the next time that had happened, the next time I had started laughing during a counseling session, you were able to bring it up and actually say something about it and make me recognize that that's one of those mechanisms I used to avoid something serious. Um, and it's something I hadn't recognized myself until that point. And I think that um, part of being perfect, I know today for me, I felt like I didn't do enough. It was just like, like one of those days where I, I did a lot, but I didn't at the same time. I just, I felt like I could have maximized my time better. Um, but I have to remind myself too that like, sometimes you are like doing enough. Like sometimes what you're, what you're giving out is enough. And even if your standard is really high, that it's not necessarily like wrong to not hit that mark. Um, because I am one, I'm a person that has high standards for pretty much everything. And I'm like, you can't, can't get stuck in those moments. You can't get stuck in those standards and recognizing that's important. No, I absolutely agree. Especially like even today for me too, I still feel like I didn't do enough. And in preparation for this podcast, I've been trying to, to really pay attention to those moments where I'm hypercritical of my performance or just kind of my existence in the world. And so to paint a little bit picture of my day today, so I, I'm working from home remotely, obviously. And what I've been trying to do is to start my day by running in the morning. Um, I was doing this small running challenge that I have now extended to try and hit a certain mileage by the end of 2020. Um, and so I woke up this morning, I ran two and a half miles. I have the Nike Plus app, which I'll it's great if anybody has been like running and they want to use that. Um, so it tracks my mileage, but my speed and the mileage splits and the mileage splits. I just got slower and slower as the mileage splits happen. And I was basically like a brisk walk by the end of the run. And I was so mad for a second. I was like, I am about 15 seconds faster than my average. And then I stopped and I was like, you know what? I got up at 615 to run two and a half miles so that I could be ready to go to work at 8.30 and meet with the first student that I had. I'm the only one outside. Like I didn't see anybody else running. The whole world is not doing what I'm doing. And the fact that I even got out there, cause I didn't sleep particularly well and I could have slept in and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna get up. So that kind of persistence and recognizing that persistence is a success is something I have to try and have been trying to get better about um, because recognizing those successes is what makes me want to keep going not being hypercritical that I ran 15 seconds slower and then running again tomorrow as a punishment to try and get better 
to me, that doesn't work. That might work for some people. Um, but yeah, for me, I just have to kind of recognize that that is an improvement and it, it's important to do that. And I think something else too, as another example, uh, so during the whole interview process, as I have been trying to find jobs, uh, I had a first phone interview, my very first one back in March before, before we had to do anything. And I took it and I was at work. Um, so I took it in my boss's office and then I came out to all my coworkers and they were like, how did it go? And I just came out and I just listed all the things that I did wrong. And I was like, this was a, sh this was a terrible answer. I hated this one. And then mid-sentence, my friend Nicole, you know Nicole. So Nicole was just like, she stopped me and she's like, what did you do right? And I think about that all the time for the last seven, eight months that I was doing the job search afterwards. Every time I would come out of an interview and I was hypercritical of everything, I would hear Nicole's voice, stop myself and tell me, what did you do right? And so I think in a similar way, where you just acknowledge that I was able to improve having those outside people be able to kind of point out where you've improved and where you've had that persistence is really helpful to combat some of the over perfectionists. Um, and so that's been helpful having that support system because sometimes I don't do well on my own. Like I said this morning specifically until I kind of sucked it back. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to be, like hypercritical of yourself. I always say, I always think that like we're our worst critics because we get to know what we were thinking in those moments that we made the mistake and then reflect on the mistake and have to be the one to improve the mistake. So we can just critique the whole process <laughs> as it goes. And I think that that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily help um, because we do kind of hold on to those negative moments. Like, we hold on to the the fact that ah oh, my splits are slow and it's like first off you just woke up super early to go on a run most people aren't running like and it's and it's something that I have to recognize for myself sometimes it's like if you're putting yourself out there you're trying something it's okay not to be perfect it's okay to make mistakes um, one of the things like after you had edited the book right like you gave us so much, so much like crucial feedback, things that we really needed. And one of the things I had prepared myself for was the feedback because I knew that we weren't going to be perfect on our first shot at writing a book. Like there's just like, I cannot find someone that can write a book perfectly with no mistakes on their first go around and have everything make perfect sense and continuity be clear. And it was so nice to have feedback from the outside. Um, but I think opening yourself up for that's important because real, the real improvement in life comes from that feedback and comes from other people being able to say, this was dope. I love that part about it. Like showing you where you did awesome because that's needed too. And we don't always give ourselves credit for that. We can get stuck in those small moments of we don't think we did well. And a lot of times other people will see it as success. And I think COVID has really helped in general um, create that atmosphere where we can see small successes as way bigger because um, so much has changed about our, our daily living. Oh, absolutely. Those small successes are sometimes like, hey, I'm so glad you got out of bed today and got to work on time or opened up your laptop and started the meeting when it was supposed to. And I think 
right now having those outside people, it, it's so critical, especially like no matter where you are on this journey of kind of being kinder to yourself or being kinder to your learning process and the journey of getting to where you want to go. Like that's where you learn. That's where you get better is the journey, not the end point. You don't get better at the end point. That's when you're done. Um, and so to have those outside people congratulate you or recognize your own successes is really helpful until you can get there for yourself. So even like, you know, I, I think about it sometimes if the, if my friends or my coworkers or my family tell me that they did something that I did where I was being hypercritical of myself. Like there's no way that I would say the things that I say to myself to them. Yeah. Right. Like that's not, I would be like, no, let's, let's praise you for getting up and running two and a half miles. Let's, so this, this was a particular event in my life where this was very, very crucial and was brought to my attention that I do this. And I'll tell this kind of quick story where I don't know if you remember in 2019, I think the summer of 2019, I was in a car accident and my car got totaled. Mm -hmm. So my car got totaled in July of 2019. And so, you know, my body also took a toll as well. So I was, um, I was in physical therapy for a couple weeks for my knee and for my back and for my foot. And I ran a triathlon on my birthday of that year, which is September. So on July 17th, I was in a car accident. September 7th, I ran a triathlon. Um, sprint distance. So the three events, it's a short distance. See, I'm doing it now. I'm qualifying that it's small. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up. I ran a triathlon. Mm-hmm. My first one ever being in a car accident three months earlier. And... The, I crushed, I, I will say this, I crushed the swim. The swim was giving me some major anxiety. It was a half mile swim. And I'm like, this is, this is daunting. I crushed the swim in my group of my like phase that ran. I came out 18th of the swim and there was, there was way more than 18 people. So that was really cool. And then I get on the bike and in the bike round, I dropped almost a hundred places of this triathlon and then we ended at a 5k and I finished and some people didn't even finish but the only thing that I held on to in telling that story afterwards was that I dropped a hundred places in the bike and then I'm telling everybody because it was my birthday afterwards right so like you know we're all they're all there to celebrate me anyway. So it's like, we're going to keep feeding into this. And my friend ran it with me as well. So she passed me on the bike. She was like, you okay? And I was like, yeah, we're good. And I loved her and appreciated her for that. Cause she was encouraging me as we go. And then we got to the end. And then all my friends are like, dude, you ran a triathlon today. Like, why are you like, why are you mad? Like that's, we didn't, except for her, she was there. Like we didn't run a triathlon today. And then I thought about it. I'm like, on the flip side, I wasn't saying anything negative to Chrissy who ran the triathlon as well. She also crushed it. I had nothing negative to say. So I was like, why am I saying so much negative stuff about myself? So to, to back up to the original point is like having people on the outside, being able to kind of pull you out of that headspace is so, so crucial. And the first step to being able to do that to yourself is just recognize when you're doing it and like, or having somebody else pointed out, I saw your eyes open when I stopped myself because I was like, I'm reading your cues 
to stop me when I'm doing this. And so, yeah, recognizing that I overcame a lot to get there and acknowledging that that was hard made it easier for me to allow myself to accept that I did well because I had to overcome so much instead of only focusing on the 100 places I dropped. Yeah, I think that you just touched on something really important and it's really like recognizing that you do well is so difficult um especially because it's like you don't want to necessarily be like oh i'm so great like everything i do is amazing (laughs) but at the same time you need to toot your own horn sometimes and and give yourself that um that like kudos and say you are doing well like you're not messing up I know a lot of times in life, it becomes like very easy to point out where you can improve. And I think right before we came on this call, I was telling you like, oh man, I wish I did this. I wish I could have done so much more. And it's like, no, be happy with where you are. Be happy with what you've done, especially when other people can point it out to you. Um, In the same way you said, I didn't do that. I didn't point out how she did and her triathlon like I did all the things I said about myself I wouldn't have said to her it's like give yourself that same like grace give yourself that same that same energy and I wanted to ask what's one of the what's one of the big mistakes you see people making um especially if they're perfectionist uh as they move through their day-to-day I think I think that's a really great question and I think that this time frame really elucidates this more so than previously is that people, my kind of consistent perfectionists, make the mistake of uh, measuring their 100% across like what they used to do. So Mm -hmm. like your day to day, your 100% isn't always gonna look the same and trying to exist at the same level every day is often impossible. Um, Especially right now, people's mental health is suffering. So sometimes your best is getting out of bed and washing your hair. Like that could be your best that day. And then the next day, your best is getting up, doing laundry, you know, cleaning the kitchen, going for a walk, exercising. Like there is different. I always think of it as, and and I say this to my students a lot, I say that as long as you, your best is the best that you can do. You can't do better than your best, but your best your 100% isn't always what you're striving for. Sometimes 50% is your best Mm. because saying that to other people allows them to forgive themselves for not always reaching that 100%. Um, And so that's something I try and remember for myself is to say, Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't productive today. Productive. I hate that word so much. Because like productive, first of all, is it's a construct that society has decided that you deserve to output a certain amount of effort. Um, No, you you do things that you want to or have to do. And productivity looks different every day. Um, So that's something that I think people kind of mistake a lot. And so like my perfectionists, especially, you're not going to give 100% every day. Um, don't get complacent though. That's, that's the line that I, I'm lucky. I don't often teeter cause I'm pretty competitive. So to be able to keep myself hungry 
and disciplined. That's why I like the word persistence, not perfection, because mm. persistence to me implies a grittiness factor. It, it implies kind of a, a resilience or a tenacity, but striving to do something is different than striving to do it perfectly. Mm. You want to talk a little bit more about resiliency? Cause I like that. I like the idea of grittiness. I like the, that persistence is important. And I think that in my own life, I recognize that. And I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing more about it. I think grittiness is one of those words that people who are gritty don't recognize it as a skill to them. And I, I think I'll throw myself in here as well. I think I'm pretty gritty in trying to acknowledge my successes and then keeping in line what, what we're talking about. I think I'm pretty gritty. Um, I don't, if I'm down, I don't like to stay down. I like to, I think of it as a, like a boxer that's mm -hmm. getting punched in the face a bunch. Like life will do that. Life will punch you in the face. Uh, but I'm not going to stop punching back. Maybe I'm not always hitting the target, but I'm definitely not going to stop punching. And so this grittiness is, it comes from people who just don't give up. You know, they, they don't, they, they see a wall in front, of, in front of them and they try to go through it, over it, under it, around it, build another wall up next to it so they can climb over. It's like, not allowing struggles and obstacles to stop you. So they can definitely hinder you. They should definitely slow you down. They're obstacles. Um, but I think, yeah, people who are gritty, I don't think that they often recognize it as a skill because to them, it could just be existing. Mm. You know, some people exist gritty because of life circumstances, of um, upbringing, of you know, just having to adapt to a world that's constantly trying to punch them in the face. And that's gritty. And that's not something that you that you see a lot. So I know, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of privileges that have made some of those punches really soft or non-existent. Um, but there's other punches that come to me that I have to kind of fight back through. So yeah, I think people recognizing their grittiness is super empowering and that getting a chance to, to call attention to that is really important. And so this perfection, maybe gritty, not perfection is a better or a good additional way to think about it. Yeah, I love the I love the idea of grittiness. I think that it it is what you just described it as. It's working, working and continuing to work, like continuing to throw punches, even when things are difficult uh not giving up like just refusing the refusal to quit the refusal to do poorly uh gritty people are typically those folks that that you see go to work every day even if they're sick like they're they're just doing it like they're just going for it even if it's not even supposed to happen like they should sit home nowadays you definitely should stay home uh <laughs> wash your hands stay home <laughs> whole thing but gritty people are people who really want to see success and they want it badly despite what can despite what's in front of them despite the obstacles despite um, all the reasons why they can't they find a way to and i think that's part of the reason why that perfection piece um can can be difficult is 
to be gritty, you almost have to accept that you're not always going to be perfect. You have to accept that sometimes you're just going to get through it. And like you're going to survive that round and you might not necessarily win that round, but you're going to survive and make it to the next one. Absolutely. As you're saying that, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't know if you can be gritty if you're perfect. And I'd rather be gritty because those, those failures, the not even failures, but the roadblocks, the obstacles, that's what makes you better. Um, you know, like all the greatest athletes in the world might have the most quantify like the natural talent as the perfectionist, you know, they're just mm -hmm. excelling. They're doing their thing. Uh, but those players that had to work to get there, you know, they play with a different energy because they know it's a privilege to be, you know, it's a privilege to be on the court or it's a privilege to be on the field. Um, they're more fun to watch. And that's, those are the people I enjoy engaging with because there's, there's a passion behind them. There's a spark. They're doing it because they work so hard to get there, not just because, you know, that's where they were. It's where they, they just happened to end up there. So that, that to me creates a really fun environment and to see the growth and development and other people who are gritty, who have that persistence is really fun. And so trying to, if you, if you agree, and if people see that way, trying to recognize and enjoy the grittiness in yourself can also be really fun because that's the important piece because people do a really good job acknowledging the successes and the excitement that other people have and then turning it inwards is harder so i'll keep reiterating that point is that we all have to recognize our grittiness yes everybody should get the phillies uh the the, the mascot <laughs> So you actually said something earlier that really caught my attention. And you said like the process is where all the growth happens, not the result. It, it's not the end. And I was like, that's so true. Like everyone looks at the end product. They look at what, like where you ended up and how the thing happened as if that is the progress. Like it's really not. It's like, that's the end result. Like there's no progress after that point. The, the progress all came from building and working and trying to get better and the ups and downs that come with that. And I think that that's important to know as well. Oh, absolutely. The journey is the most boring part of, of the story. Like movie, let's, let's talk about movies really quick. The hero's journey trope. Does anybody ever care about the last 15 minutes of the Lord of the Rings, the return of the King when their journey is over? No, that's when you get up to go pee because you've been watching a movie for three and a half hours. It's, it's Frodo and Sam, you know, getting through those obstacles and becoming better hobbits and more fleshed out human beings and changing from when they started. Like, that's the piece that humans like to watch and humans like to see. It's why Luke Skywalker is interesting in the first Star Wars movies because he starts off kind of bumbling sorry, Star Wars fans. And then by the end, he's completely different and he's changed. But then, you know, aside from Disney wanting to make a lot of money, that's where the story ends. We don't really care about the, the perfect image at the end. It's the journey and getting to see those changes that make us feel good. Like we feel good when they accomplish what they want. We feel sad when they're struggling. We empath uh, you know, empathize with 
their struggles and with their sadness, because as human beings, we connect with that. And that's why we're so much happier to see them succeed at the end. So that's why we have to be happy when we see ourselves succeed at the end, because that's the whole point. You spent three and a half hours getting yourself where you want to go and you got to get there. Yeah. It's like watching Thanos as he collects all the infinity stones. It's like, that's, that's the movie. Like, the movie is Thanos going through his process of collecting these infinity stones, throwing Gamora over the freaking thing, and then getting a, getting the soul stone. That's the that's where the movie really is. And, and I that's feel like why that's it, it ended there. Yes, and that's why it ended there. And the next movie started after the repercussions of that because that starts the next journey. And he he's gone in the first ten minutes of the next movie because his story's done. He's perfect. He accomplished it. Congrats. And now he's done. Yeah. I think that that's important to recognize. Thanos is a superhero in that movie. I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) (laughs) When I come back, we can talk about why that's wrong. (laughs) So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something you taught me. So for those who don't know, Rachel has taught me a lot over our last two years. Um, We went to Orlando for a conference once (laughs) like randomly we just did it we just all went and I remember we sat in the airport and Rachel taught me a lot about like feminism and I had a ton of questions I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about it and inform people on what feminism is because I had a ton of questions and you clarified a lot of things for me Wow. Okay. So that's definitely a meaty question. And I will, I'll start it by saying as me as a human being and my identity and how I exist in the world, I can be aware of and acknowledge, you know, things that are happening in the world that are not good, but from my white cisgendered heterosexual middle-class perspective, my voice is not always the voice that needs to be heard, but it's the voice that you have right now. Um, so I will speak. So this, to me, this idea of feminism to start is just kind of a baseline explanation of, of my theoretical approach and kind of my, my value system is that feminism benefits everybody. And the fact that it's called feminism is just a concise way to quantify it. So I I think wording a lot of the times when people talk about these controversial topics can really throw people Mm. um, because racism is racism. And if you name racism, it automatically turns people off from that conversation. Feminism is feminism. Feminism is equality, but naming it that often has people kind of turned off for the conversation. So I think the topic that we talked about most was this idea of how masculinity plays into feminism and how feminism can really free both men and women and people who are non-binary but are confined to these gender constraints. So I think that that's the best way for people who are on a feminist journey or just learning about feminism can start is to unpack these ideas of what is feminine and what is masculine. So for us, we were talking about uh, counseling and how kind of men's rights, men's rights is a thing. It's also a thing within this idea of feminism um, where 
a lot of times people see feminism as a way to elevate women above men, but it's really just trying to break down those barriers that don't allow women to express themselves in certain ways, but that also don't allow men to express themselves in certain ways. So very baseline stuff to start with, um, you know, allowing men to cry. So this is a big one, this idea of being hyper-masculine and having to shove your emotions down and be strong and be the breadwinner and be the, um, the caretaker and being, you know, big, strong man, just to quantify it. And for a lot of men, that causes issues when they are perceived to not be falling into that box. Let's say a man loses his job and is now um, not making money to support his family. That can have a major impact on the societal pressure because now this man doesn't feel like a man. And so feminism seeks, my, my perspective and my kind of definition of feminism seeks to break that wall down and say, no, men don't have to be anything. That's really it. Men don't have to be anything. Women don't have to be anything. Anything is a man. Anything is a woman. And being able to decide for yourself how you want to exist in this world and identify is really important. This emits it. So this extends way beyond and gets super, super important for people who are non, uh, who are gender non-binary or gender non-conforming or transgender because now not only are they navigating how they look and exist in the world, but now they're navigating and it, you know, other people's perspective of how they, sh how that person thinks the other person should exist in this mm -hmm. world. And so it just keeps going. It adds all these layers. And so the first place to start, I, I am such a fan of dismantling systems and constructs because it doesn't mean anything and adding all of these boxes to put people in. Um, there was, there was a, the best class that I took in college was called masculinities. And we really delved into this. Um, cats, Tom, Tom cats. No, that's Mike cats. I, I can't think of the, the, um, the guy's name now, but his last name is cats K A T Z. And he's a really prominent voice in, in terms of explaining masculinities. And for me, I, I really like a lot of the stuff that he says um, because it, it really helps to, break down some of the convolutedness of it, I guess. He's, he's really palatable. Yeah, I, I remember I remember just personally learning so much more about just the equality piece and taking into account um, those, those smaller things that we do uh, as humans that create these systems, create these, these ways of thinking, like the idea of toughening up and being a tough guy, like that kind of stuff that doesn't necessarily bode well to creating a psyche that um, understands the other side and the ways we separate ourselves, whether it's uh, girls wearing pink and boys wearing blue uh, or boys wearing red and things like that and like trucks versus Barbie dolls and all of these things that we do that really don't allow us to explore our true selves, which is a combination of the two um, pieces, masculine and feminine. Absolutely. And breaking down those walls takes a lot of time because it's been built up so much and it's so reinforced by um, everything that we do. So if anybody is super interested in this, I, I encourage you to look at marketing 
and mm. see how certain things are marketed to people. Um, if you go to a department store and look at where the women's clothing is, is located versus like where the men's clothing is located. If you look at the ads about how the women are presenting the clothes versus the men, a lot of times you'll see men uh, doing something active, you know, they're in, uh, they're golfing and they're talking about the comfort of the clothes, but then a woman is going to be in the, you know, in an office and talking about how like the clothes look, you know, there's that focus on appearance versus men like functionality. Um, Jackson Katz is the name of the guy. So I just found it. I highly encourage people to look it up because, um, I'm so happy to talk about feminism and talk about my perspective and from what I see, but I think it's so much more valuable for people to do their own work and to attach to things that make sense to them because, um, like my perspective is not perfect. I'm always learning more. Um, I encourage people to listen to, to podcasts that talk about media, you know, books, movies, uh, anything, and then listen to the feminist perspective because if you're not familiar with it, if you haven't thought about it before, some of these things are, are mind boggling, but you don't see it until you're actually looking. Um, so yeah, I, I think masculinity is a great place to start. My friends all know, like I, we, we talk about this a lot. We're just like, you know, tired of listening to me like rant and rave, but I, I really think that like systems and structures that are in place are so detrimental to people existing and existing in a world that wants them to exist. Um, and so, yeah, that would be really what I would say is to, to do some work, you know, do some of your own work to learn and listen, listen to voices, listen to different types of voices, um, not just one type of person, not just one uh, like location, you know, American people experience a lot of different things than Europeans, than people in China, than people in Russia. Um, so to just listen to, just listen, listen and learn is the best way I would say to kind of start. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it goes back to the, to the topic of discussion of uh, persistence and grit and sometimes i know that conversation at the airport just just chilling in dallas like or in the in middle dallas. of yelling at the airport <laughs> <laughs> in orlando that was where they that's the airport we were in and i remember just yeah we're yelling everyone's like moving their seats and so it's the easiest way to clear a room like no one wants to be around yeah <laughs> but i think the the grit and resilience that comes with trying to learn and understand someone else's perspective is, is very real. And it's easy to be, it's easy to get stuck in your own reality. It's easy to get stuck in your own outlook on life. It's easy to think that you know it all because you've been around and you've lived. Um, in reality, a lot of it comes from talking to other people, hearing the other perspectives, hearing what's going on in someone else's world because there was so much that I didn't know and I was in the second year of a grad program thinking I knew it all. Like I was what, 25 at the time. I, I was like thinking, I, I thought I had it. And it, I learned so much that day. And I think if I had, I not opened myself up to having that discussion and having that conversation, I would be less of a person than I am today. I think the idea of uh, the persistence is really important with that because of these types of conversations and having difficult discussions and learning and being vulnerable to learn 
you're not going to be perfect. You know, you're not going to say the right thing and you may offend somebody in trying to learn how to have that conversation, but that shouldn't be something that deters you from having that conversation. Mm -hmm. Like you and I yelling at that airport was great. And it obviously hasn't hindered our ability to have a discussion in the future. And I, I also had the privilege of getting to hear somebody else's experience because I'm, I'm only an expert in my own experience mm. and I can't ever be an expert in somebody else's experience. I can hear, I can listen, I can learn, I can research, but I don't ever think that a human being can be an expert in another human being's existence because you don't know. There's that difference of the lived experience versus the, like a primary source versus a secondary source secondary sources are good but your professors always told you to find those primary sources yeah hear it right from the from the horse's mouth <laughs> so we're coming up on the end of our time i wanted to give you an opportunity to uh plug anything where people can connect with you where they can learn and get more knowledge because you're super smart and i think everyone should be able to talk to rachel in some way shape or form Oh my gosh. I, if anybody else has any other podcasts that they want me to come talk on, I'm so happy to do that. I'll plug other people. I'll plug myself and offer myself as a guest. Um, so in terms of some of the, the media that I would highly recommend, um, one of the podcasts that I like to listen to just throughout my day today, it's called the Bechtel cast. Um, so Alison Bechtel developed a media metric that uh, talks about the portrayal of female characters in literary work. So books, uh, movies is what, so it's Bechtel cast, they look at movies and they talk about how women are portrayed in those and they do some really great movies. So I just listened to one on Captain Marvel. They talk about like Indiana Jones, they have a huge catalog. So I highly recommend that. It's super, super engaging. And if you wanna start on this journey, it's a good place to start because everyone likes movies. Um, so that's one thing I'll plug. The second thing I'll plug is feel free. You can connect with me on LinkedIn if anybody wants to. It's just Rachel Mongelo is M-O-N-G-I-L-L-O. Um, I have recently started doing some freelance editing. So hey. if, any, <laughs> if anybody is looking for an editor uh, for any, any type of project, I'm happy to offer up my services. Um, I have had one really exciting and awesome project and the authors on the other end of this conversation. So if anybody has any questions of my uh, abilities or want to double check with that, I encourage you to reach out to Jamil. Um, and I know this might come out a little bit late, but in the meantime, as we're thinking and still existing in a COVID world, um, you know, people stay smart, stay safe, but also, you know, supporting local businesses and trying to help bolster, uh, you know, your friend's Etsy shop versus maybe companies that became trillionaires during a pandemic while people are suffering, you know? Um, so I, I'll, I'm going to plug that too, because I think it's important or shopping places with a cause. Um, that's what I'm trying to do for my Christmas stuff this year. So yeah, I think that's kind of all of the stuff I wanted to plug. Hey, I like that. Shop only humans. I am a ambassador for their stuff because they're super dope and they donate 10% to charity. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and they're super cheap. I love it. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Like this has been a lot of fun. I think that this has been a, an enlightening discussion and I love talking to you. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been the most fun I've had doing something for a while. 
Um, and I, it was a real pleasure to be here. You're going to have to come back. Well, yeah, we got to talk about Thanos. <laughs> we, we definitely have to talk about Thanos in a bonus episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like what you just heard? Follow the Status Update podcast on Facebook and visit inspiredbyjamil.com for more content. See you next time. And I've been trying to find my way home Through you I remain strong oh, oh, oh. What would Jason do? 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 Uh, through all the madness, yeah Always knew I would have him Oh, ain't even had to ask much, yeah Always there, never